turn in your Bible to the book of James, the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. The topic today is faith on trial. Faith on trial. And you need to understand what that really means. The Bible makes a statement that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we know that our faith is on trial, and so it's going to be tested every time you turn around. But with this kind of a trial, you don't know when the testing is going to come. You don't know what the questions are going to be. You don't always know what God is after, what he's trying to establish. So it does get very, very interesting. So if you serve God, there is a price to pay. Now we know salvation is free. Salvation is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you serve the devil... There's also a price to pay. So you're going to pay a price regardless. Just understand, you're going to pay a price. If you serve the Lord or if you serve the devil, it's going to cost you. But now, what I want you to look at is there is the cost of rebellion and then the cost of obedience. So that you know that there's a price to pay regardless of what you do. And you might say, I'm getting tired of serving the Lord because of the price that I have to pay. But if you don't serve the Lord, you need to consider the price you're going to pay. Wouldn't it be neat if we could always discern correctly, make the right decisions all the time? But it doesn't always happen that way. We, we have a, a flesh nature and sometimes we, uh, we get drawn in the other direction. But there in the book of James, chapter 1, look in verse 15. That when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it finisheth, bringeth forth death. That is a sequence. Now, remember, God does not tempt any man to sin. You say, well, I sinned because God tempted me. <laughs> God doesn't tempt anyone to sin. Now there's the devil, and the devil will tempt. See there in verse 13? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So then you can't blame God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So there's decisions that we have to make, and this is why you and I study the Word of God, so that we're not drawn away because of the enticement, the lure, the desire to sin. That comes from your own sinful nature, but you've got to have a stronger desire that comes from a new nature that you weigh it and look at there's consequences to this whole thing. Now look there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and look there in verse 12. 
all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a cost. That's a price. That's what you're going to have to pay for obedience. So obedience is not free. Remember this, salvation costs you nothing, but discipleship will cost you everything. And so we are to purify ourselves, keep ourselves pure, and to serve the Lord. Look there at number two, pressure of the yoke. Remember, if you do not serve the Lord, God says that He will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until it weighs you down and destroys you. So, it makes the statement here, and I want you to look there in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Way back there in the Old Testament. You don't have this verse underlined in your Bible. It would be a good thing to do. It's a tremendous verse. Look in verse 47. Because... Thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until... He have destroyed thee. So he will place a yoke of iron. So there is the pressure of the yoke that if you don't serve the Lord, it's not like you're going to have all this great, wonderful freedom. God is going to put a yoke of iron upon your neck until it destroys you. But what if you decide to serve the Lord? Well, if you serve the Lord, he promises you a, a lighter yoke, but still a yoke. He says... Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But there's still a burden, there's still a yoke. There's still the pressure. See, when you decide, I will serve the Lord, there are pressures in the ministry. There's pressures in your home. There's pressures on the job. Everyone lives under pressure. It is this pressure that causes us to have these trials. And you never know at what point a trial is going to arise. And sometimes it happens right away. Sometimes you can see it coming. But pressure is pressure. If you say, I'm going to serve the Lord, then you ought to understand there are pressures in serving the Lord. And they're not going to be easy. And so they, there's a weight there. But that pressure also is the pressure of responsibility. Because when you accept a responsibility, now you're under the pressure to fulfill a responsibility. For example, lady says, I'm going to marry this guy. Okay, saying I do was so easy. But now she has accepted a responsibility as a wife. Now she has to fulfill the responsibilities of a wife, and she has to obey her husband. That's pressure. She didn't have it before. Now there's four kids. Well, she didn't have it before. 
But now she has a responsibility. That's pressure. Uh, the husband now, before he was single and his money did jingle. And now he's not single anymore. But he accepted a responsibility, but to fulfill the responsibility is pressure. And pressure, well, is a, a burden. It's a weight, a yoke upon your shoulders. And so when those four kids came along, you may have to work longer, do without. And remember all those times you thought about, man, I just want to get out on my own and have my freedom to do whatever I want to do. But the desire for so many things cost. And money doesn't grow on trees, so you've got to work to make the money to do this and money to do that and money to do this and money to do that. And so after a while, see, you're under the pressure and the yoke of work, 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 work. And it takes its toll. Some things wear you down, break you down. And that's why even serving the Lord can be a, a difficult thing if you don't really learn how to trust in the Lord and rest in the Lord. And uh, look at number three. Number three, the pleasure to enjoy. Because see, faith is on trial. And everyone works under the pressure of pleasure. Because we love the things that bring us pleasure in life, the enjoyment in life, the happiness in life. We all want that. And even if a man rebels against the Lord, and the cost of rebellion is there's, there's going to be pleasure for a season. So for a little time, there is pleasure. Why do people sin? Because it's fun. There's enjoyment in sin. God didn't say there wasn't. But understand that it is going to be only for a short period of time. But you're looking for something long-lasting. Something that will last for all eternity. To do things now that will bring eternal joy. For all eternity. Now look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to look at this. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, look in verse 17, where it makes this statement. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. See, for the believer who serves the Lord, it's talking about a light affliction for a moment. If you rebel against the Lord, there is pleasure for a moment. So if I serve the Lord, there will be affliction. And if I don't, there will be some pleasure. But both is for a moment. Now, the wise man can look at the results and make an educated, uh, determined decision. Do I want an affliction for a moment but eternal joy? Or pleasure for a moment and consequences for eternity? The wise man can figure this out. So look what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. So the light affliction, the problems that we have, are working for us. There are opportunities for us. And he says, A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So there's results, there's consequences. But you'll like the consequences of the pleasure of the Lord and the light affliction 
though it's for a moment, is working for you something better in the long run. So since I'm going to pay a price, why don't I just go ahead and decide I'm going to serve the Lord because I'd rather have eternal weight of glory and rewards for eternity than not to have them. You see, we're talking to those who know the Lord, those who have trusted Christ as Savior. So your obedience has something for you. Your disobedience has something for you. So there's a price to pay, but it makes a lot more sense to serve the Lord with all your heart. Uh, let me just throw this one verse in here. Look in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. So there's things that God wants us to look at that are beyond this life. Not just for the temporal pleasure of some particular sin or some fame, honor, power, grabbing, glory, hound. Those things are so limited. But there's something that God has that's a lot better and will last for eternity. Look at number four. The purpose of sowing. Does it matter what you sow to? Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, how do you mock God? By mocking sin. And so, when you mock sin, like, I can do it and it won't harm me. Or it won't, there's no price to pay. Nobody will know. And so you can do the things that you do, say whatever you want to say, and think that it really won't matter. But it all matters. So look there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. God is telling us something here. Not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works. You ought to underline that word unfruitful. Unfruitful works of darkness. Darkness is the kingdom of darkness, which is the old man. It's as a lost man. It's in a different realm. Now, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you entered into the realm of the kingdom of light. So therefore, as a child of God, we're to walk as a child of light, not as a lost man, as a child of darkness or in the dark, like you don't see. And that's why you stumble so much. So he says here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And so you can shine a light upon the things that are not right and reprove them, you can't improve sin. But your reproof is that you see it and name it for what it is. Stay away from it. And so he says not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So you and I as a child of God are not supposed to walk as a lost man producing the works of the flesh. And that's my fellowship. And you have fellowship with the works of the flesh. God says that's not to be. So there's a price that you have to pay. If you walk in the flesh, then God's going to have to chasten you because it's still against the law. Did you know that murder is still against the law? Well, I'm no longer under the law. Oh, that means you can murder people. 
No. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, that's okay now because I'm not under the law. No, that's a misunderstanding of the Scriptures. The law has never been changed. The law served its purpose. But sin is still sin. It's still wicked, still wrong, and there's a law against it. So God says, the works of the flesh, these are not the things of the Spirit of God. Because when He lists the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit, it says against such, there is no law. So there's no law against loving one another. There is no law against forgiving one another. Isn't that nice? There's no law against patience and self-discipline. There's no law against that. You can do it. It's okay. But there is a law against the other things, the works of the flesh. And because of that, if you sow to that, there is going to be a price to pay. God will chasten and God will discipline. So you and I cannot live as we please and get away with it. There is a price to pay. And everyone needs to understand that. But in John chapter 15 and verse 8, when he makes the statement, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So this is what God wants us to do. He says, so shall you be my disciples. So there is a price to pay. It means it's going to cost you something. You know, the scripture tells us those that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, if you go forth weeping, you're going to bring forth fruit. Does that mean whenever I hand somebody a tract, I should have tears in my eyes? I always got to be quiet when I hand somebody a I got to go crying, weeping. Now, I believe it's talking about the tears you might shed in order to reach people. All the hurt, the rejection. You witness to somebody and they tell you to shut up, mind your own business and where to go, and to leave them alone and have nothing to do with them. And people can be mean. People can be very crude. And it can produce a lot of hurt. And the things that you may go through on the job, at home, personally. And it produced, serving the Lord is not wearing a happy face every time you turn around. Sometimes there's a lot of heartache, there's a lot of grief, there's a lot of pressure. It's called the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. And you may suffer a lot of things to get the gospel to people. Because there's a price to pay. So look at the next point. Number five, the perfect vision. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. In other words, when you commit sins, it's amazing how that it always finds its way of telling on you. Does God have to get a two-by-four to get your attention? To let you know that maybe you're doing something that you shouldn't do or going in a direction you shouldn't go? I face that all the time. But I want you to understand that we have a responsibility to try to do what's right. And our faith is on trial. And God is going to hold us accountable. And it's like there's going to be a verdict made on the decisions that you and I have made. And what's the verdict going to be? He did right. Enter thou into thy kingdom, you know, prepared for you and so forth. And uh, we want to have the joy of the Lord. But it says, be sure your sin will find you out. 
whenever you rebel against the Lord, it's amazing how you think, I'm going to get away with it. It's not that bad of a deal. After all, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And so everybody thinks it's going to, you know, not be that bad. But sin is sin. Sin is bad. Sin is wicked. And everybody is a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. That means we all do things wrong. But aren't you glad that there's a God that forgives us? Now, when we're dealing with God's children, and a child of God can walk in the new birth or the old birth. He can walk as a saved man or as a lost man. And if he walk as a saved man, it says the blood of Jesus Christ continually keeps you clean. When you rebel against the Lord, God says, don't deceive yourself. Don't say, well, I don't have no sinful nature. I have no sin. Yes, you do. Because he said, if you say otherwise, you're not telling the truth. And if you do sin against the Lord, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Didn't mean he's going to save you again. You don't have to get saved every time you sin. Well, I sin, now I've got to get saved again. Well, I sin, now I lost my salvation, got to get saved again. No, that's not what he's saying. It's to God's children that mess up. So as a child of God, there's times in our life when we are obedient. And then there's times in our life when we're disobedient. So when we get to heaven, God is going to reward us for all of our obedience. And we're going to suffer the loss of all that disobedience that could have been productive. So that's why he says, do not fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So there are works that a man can do, but it's unfruitful. God wants us to bear fruit that will last forever. Look over to your right now. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 10 talks about that we may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So God says that one day we will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ and God is going to reward us for what we have done. And we're going to suffer the loss of what we could have had. So, is there a price to pay for our life of obedience or our disobedience? As long as you understand, the only thing I want you to do as a child of God is to do what you honestly, wholeheartedly believe is what God wants you to do. I want you to do nothing more, nothing less, except just whatever God wants you to do in your life. I want you to be whatever God wants you to be. I want you to do whatever God wants you to do. Just be you, but be all the you you can be, whatever it is God wants you to do. And you're supposed to apply the Word of God to your life. And we study the Word of God, and he says he gave some to the church that they can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. So who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? All of God's children. We are involved in the work of the ministry. That's why every one of God's children should have a work in the ministry of the Lord. So important. I'll look there at the last one. Number six, permanent results. Permanent results. And this is about Moses in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, where it says, esteeming the reproach, the reproach, of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, which is 
temporary. So if you choose the things of this world, they're temporary. Moses knew that. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was trained to be the next Pharaoh in line. He gave all of that up to be what God wanted him to be. Was there a price to pay? Yes, it cost him. It cost him dearly. And then when he made up his mind to really serve the Lord after 80 years, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of a desert, and then he decided that he's going to be whatever God wants him to be. So yes, he went down to Egypt. Let my people go. As you study the next 40 years of Moses' life, was there anything that caused him to get upset? Mad or bitter? He did. And he blew it. And because of it, God did not allow him to enter into the promised land. But did God use him? Yeah. See, God can't use perfect people because there aren't any of those. I, as a pastor, I can't use perfect people. Why? Because there aren't any. You don't have a perfect pastor. I am a pastor. I'm not the best pastor. I am just a pastor. I got faults and flaws, and you can compare me with any other preacher. But I do think I got a good message. I got the gospel is, the, to me, the most important thing of all. But never make a man more than a man. And I shouldn't make you more than what you are. You're a child of God. And I want you to love the Lord. And I want you to understand that there is a price to pay if you serve Him. Everything's not going to go well. There's going to be all kinds of problems. The devil is going to be after you. People in your own household can be after you. People in your work can be after you. All kinds of The devil going to use anything and anybody to discourage you. Why do you think God had to even tell Joshua, As I was with Moses, even so shall I be with you. Only be strong and very courageous. He said, I'll never leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Meditate in thy word. He said, day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that I've spoken unto you. It is in everything that you do, I will make thy way prosperous. Only be strong. Only be courageous. In other words, to really believe the Lord. To walk with the Lord. God said that he'll bless you because of it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20. Says, but lay up for yourselves treasure where? In heaven. So there's a price to pay, yes, but there's only one side of these that has great rewards. If you are obedient to the Lord, there is great reward. A great reward from God who created the heavens and the earth. You are his child. So when you're tested, just look to the Lord. Isn't the Lord sufficient? Isn't He worth serving, worth loving, and being obedient to because of all He has done for you? Don't do things just because of people. People come and go. People are obedient and disobedient. People obey and disobey. People hurt and then... But whatever it is, put your trust in the Lord. And if you'll serve the Lord, there will be great results, permanent results. And the permanent result is to be honored by the Lord in praise, honor, and glory for all eternity.